It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hey there, folks. Uh, my name is KP Burke. This show is called American Loser. You guys know the deal by now. If you don't, and welcome to the show, we like to cover weird topics from American history, ideas that might be considered losers. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's places, sometimes it's things, but we're live at a shared universe podcast studio in Homedale, New Jersey, where Mike and Ming take great care of us. Uh, like I said, I'm KP Burke. My Delph of a dad is here with me. Say hello, sir. Hello, sir. How we going? Uh, How we're we good. going here in Homedale, New Jersey. I uh, know it's a, it's nice that we're uh, most of us are Monmouth County residents now, or close by. Yeah, very close by. We're, we're a lot closer than we used to be. You see, we're from the South now, folks. South Jersey, that is. Well, you see, yeah, anything below the Driscoll Bridge, uh, South he, Jersey. He. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the ones and twos, of course. Who else could it be other than? The director of Escape from Jacksonville. Ah, what's up, man? Is that is that the big Kahuna back there? I think it is. I would think it would be. I would hope so. Unless, <laughs> how would I know? Maybe I'm just a voice. Maybe the, I only exist in the realm of your podcast, KP. I the man behind the curtain. Wait a minute! Kahuna. I've never seen Kahuna and Ming in a picture together. That's <laughs> this, this takes like off a, mask. This is a Fight Club thing. Hello, everybody. <laughs> that was a pretty good Ming. That was a pretty good Ming. <laughs> And uh, joining us again, two weeks in a row here, um, we're enjoying her while she's on her reprieve. Back uh, from back, the, the double header. Yeah, the, the court systems have uh, erroneously- found me yet. <laughs> it's the holidays, the holidays, Kev. I went into hiding. Uh, the meanest girl in New Jersey, my sister Carrie joins us again. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming back in. Of I appreciate course. that. Um, we had you in last week, and I think uh, my buddy Tristan counted uh, 18 words you said throughout the entire- to be accurate, yeah. <laughs> we'll try to up that a little bit. Well, we had our uh, our new pal Chuck Staten on. We had a great time over at the Smod Castle, by the way. Him and that dude Brad Kahuna was actually doing all the the tech for that as well. Um, they had me. Kahuna told me to go outside. I was laughing too hard in the uh, the, the corridor where the sound machine is. <laughs> um, they had a great great show, man. I really uh, I hope that continues to be an annual tradition over there. Those guys are, are pretty great. So uh, discount Chuck for you folks that uh, wanted to follow him from last week. Great guy. We had a great topic last week. We have an even better one, I might argue, this week. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty good one. And no, Nick Franco, I'm sorry. We're not doing the full-on Prohibition episode, but we are going to – we're going to give you just the tip. All right? Just the tip, just to see just how it feels. Smidge, just a taste. Just to see a how teaser. it feels. All right? We're not going balls deep here on it, but uh, we're going <laughs> to casually, casually get into something. And, of course, it's Jersey-centric, um, but also it involves a little bit of New Orleans action. Um, so our boy Tyler Prysock probably loving it. Um, we got uh, actually also. I have to give a quick shout out to. Um, we got a lot of great listeners. Um, Deb P is uh, out of her mind. Um, she's such a great human being. She loves the show so much. She couldn't figure out how to up the uh, donation on Patreon, so she just started. She used a different email and just started a second <laughs> Patreon account, <laughs> a double. And the wow. instructions were: she goes, make sure Kahuna gets his raise because I can't have you boys going off the air. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Shout out to them. And then, of course, uh, I mean, obviously, there's so many people that help out the show. Uh, you know, it, it means a lot to us, guys. And uh, so we are honoring an idea that we had um, years ago at this point, Dad. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk about this one. We found a good vantage point to kind of um, 
tell the story of uh, of prohibition in it. and um I do enjoy the hell out of it. One of my favorite bars that uh, I, I I clean beer lines now during the day. If you guys don't know that, um, it's my best uh, best day job I've ever had. Guy works with me with comedy and everything. One of the bars that we do is one of my favorite places to hang out. Actually, I think I've been there with you before, Kara. Amendment Twenty One in Point Pleasant. Nah, I've never been there. Oh, it's that place great. is cool. Yep, right across the street from a club that I'm not welcomed at anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, Pretty great spot over there. And they have on the wall, they have all these cool pictures of when Prohibition ended. And obviously, the 21st Amendment is what repealed Prohibition. Um, prohibition lasted a lot longer than I thought it did. Well, a lot, a lot of people felt that way. It lasted a little too long. <laughs> well, the thing Yeah, it was, depends on who you ask. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was very effective, though. The important thing is this. The government got involved, okay? And they said, uh, no more drinking, guys, right? And America listened, and they stopped drinking entirely. And we oh, definitely didn't right. start organized crime and usher in the Roaring Twenties. No. Definitely not, right? No. no. Like when we, did we ever just fully listen to the government? No questions asked. <laughs> never, the key is ever? This. You're going to think I'm crazy here, but I'm always just going to say this. You should never listen to the government. Ever. This is oh. not a call to action, folks. Well, all it's right? been a fun run. I will see you at the Capitol building for the one year anniversary. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> we just got shut down. Uh, but as I started writing this episode, I was overwhelmed with the timeliness of it all, Dad. Um, we prepared this episode for a full week leading up to be it being recorded. And a couple of the dates are going to jump out at you, Kerry. Um, this was a good one here. Uh, you were born December 8th. Correct. Right? Now, December 18th, 1917. Uh, today, as we're recording it, is what? Today's the 19th? Yeah, the 19th. 20th. 20th. Two days off. Jeez. Two days off. Um, later correcting than th- dates again. That's <laughs> all I'm here for. It's, uh, later than you think, KP. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought we had a couple more days with Carrie, but she's got to go back in. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's true. Right after Christmas. Christmas reprieve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, December 18th, 1917. The United States will make a very progressive move. This was hailed as a progressive win at the time. All right? So remember- uh, progress means moving forward, but what if things were good beforehand? Change is good. You go first, that kind of a thing. You know, um, Most of the country was what would be considered functioning alcoholics around this time frame. And Has that changed? <laughs> no. I don't think so. I don't Not think yet. so either. And Kerry, what are you drinking tonight, by the way, on the show? Uh, coffee. Coffee. And what – so that's to your left. What's to your right? Uh Coffee, a, a uh, Guinness. There's coffee notes. <laughs> yeah. There is enough There's, coffee yeah. notes in Guinness. You could say I'm having a coffee right could now. Could have brought right. me the nitro cold brew Guinness. <laughs> you bought me those. I should have tried those. Should have. Oh my god. Um, we are enjoying a, a couple of uh, uh, beverages here, though, in honor of the prohibition episode we're about to do. More specifically, we're going to get into a thing called Rum Runners Row. Kahuna, you ever heard of that? Like off the top of your head? It does sound familiar, but not entirely sure why. It's pretty good. Rum Runners being a great bar down the Jersey Shore as well. Um, it's but, unfortunate uh, that I think that that's actually where I know it from. <laughs> <laughs> There's a song too by a uh, Irish band named Rum, Rum Runners. No shit. Yeah, by Gaelic Storm. Is it really? Yeah, okay. Question. Does it have anything to do with moonshine running? So well, that's all going to go on. Um, yeah. So it, it's very funny. It's almost a red state, blue state thing. The red states at this time, or the, the South as we'll call them, because again, it, it always changes. We're not a political show. Um, the uh, down South, they're going to get real big on moonshine. So that's going to turn into people having stills out in the hills and stuff like that. You're going to get your uh, um, NASCAR is going to be created by that because they have to be able to outrun the, the police that are trying to look for Yeah. Them. That's um, kind of, is, is is that kind of in relation to what we're talking about? Or is it like 
A little bit. Similar. It's all going to fall under – this is all different states' approaches to usurping the law that's going to be put into place by a bunch of uh, – picture the anti-saloon league, which we're going to talk about here in a second. <laughs> Just picture it's all – it's a thousand John Lithgows from uh, – what's the, 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 the Kevin Bacon movie? I can't believe I'm blanking. Uh, Footloose. So, yeah, they're very um, – these are tight and proper people here, but it's considered a progressive move at the time. And it's weird to try to get rid of alcohol in a country where the founding fathers loved beer, loved wine, loved cider. And it used to just be you would walk into a place and dip your mug into a barrel of cider. But it was always low proof, yeah. right? It would be like a 4% proof kind of a thing. So you could sit around and you could drink that stuff all day and not have a problem. You know, you'd be a little bit happy. Maybe you'd forget to do something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Makes the work day yeah. go by a little faster. Yeah, then the wine gets a little bit crazy here. And we know that the women who love their wine, you know. Um, right, just the women. Just the women. <laughs> just the women. The, 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 the women. women who love their wine are the most dangerous, okay? Yeah, but first wine, those type people, they're scary, Okay. That's the t- I thought that's everybody, though. They get people canceled. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, we're going to go ahead. We're all considered functioning alcoholics at this point in the country's history. And uh, that's okay until you start really getting into the hard stuff. The hard stuff's where the problems come in. Um, there's a no good group of uh, island people that are going to come over in mass um, due to a potato famine, Dad. Uh, <laughs> And they bring that's this, it. Blame the Irish. There's this concoction they like to make called whiskey. That's pretty interesting. Um, and then, of course, the Americans they got to put their own spin on it, right? So we do that. Um, did you know how bourbon got its name, Kara? Uh, no. Well, there was a particular whiskey, and I, I'm, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask a listener, Tyler Prysock, if you're hearing me, buddy. All right, uh, Murphy's Wake over on Instagram, great guy, um, diehard Saints fan. Congrats to you, buddy, <laughs> beating the Buccaneers. Um, Fact check me on this. I believe the way that bourbon got its name was that it was a particular whiskey made on Bourbon Street in New Orleans that people were saying, hey, um, let me get some of that uh, whiskey from Bourbon Street. And then it just turned into bourbon. I think there's a bunch of people in Kentucky right now that are just screaming at the screaming <laughs> at the idea of yeah. this. How dare yeah. you? Well, you've been out there and yeah. all that well, stuff. And your thing before about moonshine being just uh, down south kind of a thing, let's not forget the Whiskey Rebellion really started up north in the, in the western – the Western Frontier. Dad, if I want to learn more about that, yeah, for just well, you as could low as $3 a month, I could join the Patreon where we covered that in depth. There you go. There you go. I mean, in the American uh, attitude too about just because the government says you got to do this or that. I mean, the whole revolution was started on. Screw that noise. We're, we're doing our own thing. Oh, yeah. Right from the, right from the get-go. Screw you guys. Right from the I'm start. going down. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, uh, alcohol consumption – was really getting out of hand. Uh, you know, according to uh, Ken Burns did a documentary on prohibition. And according to that particular uh, piece of film, by 1830, the average American over 15 years old consumed nearly seven gallons of pure alcohol a year, which is three times as much as what we drink today. So, I mean, yeah, people were getting shit-faced on the regular. There was no doubt about that. I mean, when there's nothing to And do. it became – it a- definitely became a problem. You know? Yeah, no Netflix, just chill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, no Wi-Fi, no Pornhub. That's a- <laughs> like, this is lame time, dude. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if drinking wasn't the national pastime. Well, when you think about it, too, if your life is that difficult, too, where you're going to wake up uh, on the frontier or something like that or just anywhere and – all you have to do is your work and then you come home and let's say let's say you're an Irish immigrant, you're living in a nice little tenement square over there. Uh, there's an escapism that comes with alcohol. And again, 
relatively encouraged. The founding fathers were booze bags. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a, you ever get so shit faced, you start your own country? Cause we did. <laughs> I mean, this is literally the age of wake up, grind, rewind every day and yeah. then die yeah. within maybe five miles of where you grew up. Yes, right. And by the time it got dark, I mean, there was really nothing else to do but to sit around the fire and. Yeah. <laughs> so this Empty was the a few age. tankers. So right? this was the under, this was the age of fuck this shit. I'm out. <laughs> well, I mean, if you went outside, that damn Leeds devil was going to get you. So. <laughs> Lose reception. Uh, Carrie, you looked something up just now. I saw that look on uh, your face. The name of where the name of Bourbon came from. Hit me. What do you got? Well, there's the two different versions. The one from Bourbon Street in New Orleans, and the other is from Bourbon County in Kentucky. But both took their names from the House of Bourbon, which is a European royal house of French Frenchies, origin. Right? Yeah. Bourbon. Bourbon. Yep. <laughs> no, they're pretty cool. Um, now, like we said, uh, once the the hard liquor is coming into effect, and we, we will go back to Ken Burns. And by the way, um, I totally agree with uh, what one one uh, review of our podcast said. It's uh, Ken Burns for the working man. That's what we do here on American Loser. <laughs> because I, I really enjoy his topics, but Ken Burns can be so dry. Um, but uh, it was worth mentioning here. He is right, though. The temperance movement is going to start to gain traction around the country because people are shit-faced. Uh, whiskey's being referred to as the rot gut in certain places. And uh, if someone gets hooked on booze, uh, they just go on a bender that they never really get off of. And a lot of people die. A lot of people disappear. Homelessness, vagrancy. Um, all sorts of criminal – pretty much the temperance movement is sitting there and saying, if we could just get rid of alcohol, everything would be so much better. you know. And also, let's keep in mind too, now you have uh, – you're not riding a horse drunk anymore. There's automobiles coming around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. Let's try this newfangled drinking and automobiling. That's a, <laughs> well, there's such a great um, episode of Deadwood where Calamity Jane, who's just a total shit show uh, when she's drinking – um, there's an episode uh, where she just pops up on a – she's passed out drunk on a horse outside of town mm -hmm. and she just pops up and screams, cocksucker or something like that. <laughs> and that's her only line the entire episode. But um, it's worth mentioning though this temperance movement, they're going to get very strong support. So Carrie is defending herself because she thought I was shitting on women. Um, no, I know it was made up mostly of women. Mm -hmm. Well, if the you were a woman. Union, yeah, it was, yeah. It was – actually it was the woman's Christian temperance movement. And that was really formed way back when. I mean, this wasn't any recent uh, thing. That started back in 1873. So it's got a long history. And, you know, there's been movement against drinking of any type of alcohol way till way back, forever. Ever since there was drinking, there was somebody opposed to drinking. So, I mean, you know. So Karen's. Yeah. And, and, someone <laughs> to ruin everything. Right, right. And, but, but the women's Christian temperance movement, I mean – if the old man is coming home shit faced from the from the tavern and he's now beating up on the on the wife oh, or, yeah. or abandoning the the whole family and leaving the the woman with the with the kids um, because he's off to who knows where he's off on a bender someplace. I mean, that's why I always keep a pack of cigarettes around, Dad. So you can never abandon the family. That's right. We're going out for a pack of smoke. <laughs> oh, I got one right uh, here. I got one right here. I got you covered. Dad, right? Don't worry about it. Stay yeah. where I can see you. I'm gonna go check the furnace and we're out of here. Let me go hide your keys. Check the furnace. <laughs> That's a for story the, for another time. So or, also check your uh, li listenership because they're apparently still active. So you might lose some listeners now. Who's that? The women, the temper Christian temperance unit. Union. They're still union. active? Movement. They are still active. Talk. Well, right. I, and dad makes a good point too. If you were a woman and uh, 
you know, you have a, a man that you think is a good man that's, you know, hopefully taking care of you and doing right by you and stuff like that during this time frame, um, where, where women working was a rarity. Um, uh, or if they did work, it was looked down upon. Um, and then now a, uh, a guy's going to come home who's normally a good guy, but he gets a little bit of that wickedness in him. And now all of a sudden you're getting beat up. Like you're going to sit there and you're going to say, well, divorce is frowned upon. So let me fix this fucking asshole I have in a husband. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand why they would want to do this. Now, there's that great poem too from uh, Boardwalk Empire, which uh, uh, just, just to paraphrase or whatever, it was a um, lips that touch liquor shall never touch mine or something yeah, like yeah. that. So it's like, uh, what would they do? They, to quote Sam Kinison, they held the pussy hostage. <laughs> you, want ever, you ever want to see this guy again? You ever want to see it again? Here's what you're going to do. <laughs> I can't believe they're still around. With one of the worst looking websites I've ever seen. <laughs> Offer to help them. Get some Squarespace on this. Because they're sober. Carrie a- <laughs> 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 Burke, folks. Carrie oh, Burke. Uh, <laughs> have a drink. It'll get better. Uh, and again, we, we totally understand why. Um, you'd probably want to make whatever substance turns your husband into a giant asshole that beats you up illegal. I would understand that. There's other support too. It's not just these groups, but they're definitely the grassroots movement for this thing. So combined with some religious groups, public safety concerns, and more will lead to the 18th Amendment of the United States Constitution, all right, being proposed on December 18th, 1917. Right. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, folks. It worked, guys. Your plan worked. (laughs) We don't drink anymore. Everyone's moved on. Yeah. Go home, folks. Show's over. (laughs) Now, I thought this was interesting too, Kara. What do you got? Oh, I was going to ask a question. Is so like so? There's still certain parts of the country that are legally dry. Like, uh, today, so does this still right. exist there, or so they just dry by? There choice? is some funny stuff with blue laws. Now, a friend of mine from Ross Brewing, John Ross Kakosa, who's a, a great guy and makes some great beers, um, he was telling me that New Jersey has laws that we're talking about today that were put down in this time frame of 1917 that are still on the books today that he now has to work around because he's owning a brewery in this ridiculous, I don't know. I can't tell if we're communist or mobbed up sometimes. I don't know what this state is. It's very confusing. <laughs> dry yeah. counties. Yeah, there's dry counties actually. There's dry uh, counties. Right. There's, there's still dry counties throughout um, these 50 United States. But uh, Bergen County, New Jersey on a Sunday, I don't think you can buy beer certain places. Right. It's the blue laws and stuff. But, uh, That's so Jack weird. Yeah, and, and Jack this, Daniels is in a bl- dry county. Right. Jack Daniels, one of the biggest right? uh, distilleries going is in a dry county. And they got around actually sampling some of their – their product <laughs> the do it. within the within the distillery because uh, they're sampling product. They're not really giving people alcohol per se. They're just sampling what they manufacture. Well, that's how Cane Brewing, <laughs> which by the way, Cane Brewing w- would be so great to have them as a sponsor. What a what a great um, Kerry got me into them actually. Um, they get around it. You know how they usurp their law, right? No, I don't when you go to the facility, you have to sign into a book to say that you're taking a tour. And then you're allowed to drink. No, actually, so every Jersey brewery that you go into has to give you a quote unquote tour of their brewery for you to drink there. Right. That's the first thing they so oh, might have be you a- been here? Yes. Have you taken our tour? Some of them are are as quick as like, well, read this piece of paper. Here you go. Steps one, two, three, four, whatever. Well, yeah, is. some of these breweries are in like a uh, it, it's so funny because these laws that that's why it sounds like we're on a tangent right now, but we're not. These laws are still on the book that is that, that's what's forcing these breweries. Sometimes they're just in a garage. Yep. That 
Hey, you want to uh, go on a tour? All right. So you see behind me? Um, well, anyway, enjoy a beer. Um, <laughs> it's One of them now. actually had us walk down to like 20 feet and then come back. That was the tour. Just Hysterical. look around. All right, come back. You know why? I like the work. Like We all have – Jersey is the My Cousin Vinny state. We really are. Um, we'll find weird ways to work around some stuff here. Um, but at the time frame – and this is actually important to note too. I think it kind of leads into it. Like we said, December 18th, 1917, the 18th Amendment is going to be proposed. It will eventually be ratified by 46 of the then 48 states. Right. And and before this uh, 18th Amendment came about nationally, right, that's a, that's a federal law. There was many states that have already enacted their own laws to prohibit the manufacture and sale of quote unquote intoxicating beverages. So, I mean, this wasn't this was the federal government playing catch up with a lot of the states that had already enacted laws against right against drinking. So, um, that that um, temperance union and some uh, religious groups was a very powerful lobbying force at local, you know, county, state. And now, finally, they're they're lobbying and pressuring Congress to enact this 18th Amendment. Uh, and that was the first amendment, really, to have a time restriction that um, they were originally – that whole amendment was originally proposed that the states would have to ratify it within seven years before it became <laughs> a law. It was done in 13 months. So, there's a, there's a huge, you know, groundswell – for prohibition, pro-prohibition. This wasn't something that we're looking back on time and saying, well, how can anybody possibly think that prohibition is a good idea? Well, there was a lot of people back then, the progressives, quote unquote, right. that thought that this was this is the way to go. This is this is the way that we're gonna solve some of the social ills, the of, ills the, of, of the society. Time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's amusing too, because um at the end of the day, so many politicians wind up supporting this thing because there's a grassroots voter block turnout um, behind this. Hey, if you're going to be the um, the candidate that's going to promise prohibition, then you can count on me backing you. So this is like a special interest group, you know, but a sure. grassroots style thing. So the Women's Temperance Union and the Anti Saloon League were were huge proponents for prohibition and had. You know, a lot of political clout to get the politicians the the vote. And to uh, keep them in in office, and what's a politician going to do? He's going to want to stay in office, so he's making all kinds of promises. Whether he's a drinker himself, and I've got a little tidbit on on that one too. About uh. you might say that you're uh, for prohibition, but at the same time you're uh, knocking back a few yourself. So, well, there are some people that were absolute consummate teetotalers, as it's known, uh, which is not people that don't drink. So, um, uh, one of the most famous teetotalers of all time. Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, TR did not drink. Um, apparently, he drank like at a social occasion, like once or twice or something like that, but he would drink a pot of coffee every day. So, um, yeah, Teddy yeah, was pretty he, much on crank his entire life. He had, a, he had a cousin, though, that was into dirty martinis, and we'll talk about Ooh, him a little, a little bit. later. On. He's a good one. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you can totally see why, if, if he ran today, you could see why America fell in love with him. Um, what were we going to say, Karen? Oh, I find it interesting that the last state on the list of ratification mm -hmm. took four years who, to who do Who held it. out? Who held out the longest, uh, baby? Dirty Jersey. Dirty Jersey. <laughs> no, you know why? no way. Because Jersey's yeah. like, they, I guarantee you this is what it was. I guarantee you they sat there and they were saying, all right, so it's going to go illegal. 
how are we set up? Can we profit off of this? What's the way? <laughs> right. All right. What's the easy pass for liquor that we're going to have to put in? <laughs> what kind of tax rate can we put on it? Exactly. Oh, exactly. It, it really. And then let's make sure that the uh, our, our friends in the Atlantic City area. Uh, there's a fellow named uh, Enoch Johnson down in AC that's got some interesting ideas on how to uh, get around this. Um, but you are correct, Gary. New Jersey is the uh, the final state that will uh, join the ratification of this. There are two states though that straight up oppose prohibition. Which, uh, by the way, prohibition for the use of um, the definition for the use for the rest of the episode here, the banning of the sale, transport, manufacturing, and importation of alcohol to the United States of America. Kahuna, I will give you a guess. Uh, it, it's again, it's forty-eight states at the time, so take Alaska and Hawaii off the um, you know the, the map here. If you Damn, will. my first guess. That's a <laughs> um, guess the two states that opposed vehemently opposed would not ratify prohibition. There's two states that said- That just said, fuck no? That, yeah, pretty much it <laughs> oh, said, nah, yeah. what are you trying to pull here? Texas? Um, Texas would be a good one. But you know what? There's such oh, a religious wanna... fervor to Texas that I, I Texas was on board, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. They, they do have a rebellious quality, which I- um, Would know. it be Kentucky? No. Again, shocking no, right? You would think bourbon country would be in Wait on this. Wait a minute. But... Is it California? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying no. to think in topsy-turvy oh, we're, yeah. we're going down the list. California's <laughs> taking bong rips and saying, alcohol's a crutch, man. <laughs> Just it's start really alphabetically. You'll never guess it because it's too no. very strange. They're both East Coast, though. I'll give them credit. East Coast? Yeah. They're what, both fuck, East Coast. Was it fucking Delaware? One of them, uh, Chuck Staten is from. Are you serious? Yep. Rhode Island said no. Rhode Island Rhode said Rhode Island no? said no. Um, and then the other one was uh, Connecticut. Do you think Rhode that, Island said no because Connecticut said no, though? Like Jersey and New York kind of always are on the same page there. <laughs> you know what I mean? A Rhode Island-Connecticut connection kind of yeah. a thing. <laughs> I think what it was is it was the housewives in Connecticut were like, there's no way we're going to be able to live without – I just have to have my wine. <laughs> the, the Stepford wives. My vino, <laughs> sir. <laughs> but uh, the Anti-Saloon League is definitely a thing. Um, and I, again, I do believe – First of all, mad credit to uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island for having the balls to stand up to that. Um, the problem with the uh, laws in this country, though, is if people don't like them, they just find ways to avoid, break, or usurp them. So this anti-saloon league, they're showing a little too much power here. They're they're kind of running around, uh, uh, slapping their dick around, uh, making sure everybody knows, whipping some towels uh, in the locker room kind of a thing. And Kahuna uh, pulled it up earlier. It was a famous Courier Knives uh, art piece, if you will, or an engraving that Courier Knives did. Uh, that kind of lionized this woman named Carrie Nation. What do you know about her, Dad? Carrie Nation, good-looking woman. He's being um, <laughs> he's being facetious, no, folks. Uh, not that that should have anything to do with it, but she was the one that's famous for going into saloons with a hatchet and breaking the place up. And if they're all, she's a woman, so what are you going to do? But uh, that she, sounds like fun. She took a really. She took a hatchet to uh, the beer barrels and stuff, and yeah. she was the. Uh, the anti-saloon league, uh, Christian temperance union movement, uh, kind of. Uh, I'm going to be coarse here. I'm going to be coarse. She seems so angry. She probably just needs to get. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. I'm going to say that, and then, but then she's against the substance that would allow someone to become incapacitated <laughs> enough to maybe right. actually pull off the act. Right. I mean, she could also turn to like more natural substances to calm down. The, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, anything. You know what I mean? This is pre-yoga, all right? This is pre-yoga in the United <laughs> States. But uh, yes, uh, Carrie Nation, an unfortunate looking woman who used to attack the uh, saloons with a hatchet. And they all, again, everybody blames all the ills of society on alcohol. 
these busybodies are now in a position of power. The president at the time, former New Jersey governor and current rest area, Woodrow Wilson. Um, <laughs> that's just a great joke, guys. There's no way around that. Um, he will veto the bill that will bring about prohibition. He goes, no, come on, guys. What the fuck are you doing here? Executive branch says, no, we're not doing this. And he gets defeated by the bone dries. Okay, The bone dries were the political bar, uh, uh, people that would back prohibition in order to continue to have their uh, you know, fundraising dinners and stuff like that, uh, guarantee a voter turnout in the House and the Senate. So the bone dries were this grassroots party for temperance that only supported candidates that agreed to bring about temperance and prohibition, which I again, it works very well on paper. But as soon as you make it illegal to profit off of something, has that ever, and the rock means ever, <laughs> caused the market to collapse or go bust? Yeah, just because you're making it illegal? Oh, yeah. So nobody can buy marijuana in New Jersey, right? Because technically you can't buy it legally just yet. <laughs> so there's there's no pot smoking anywhere in the United States other than the few states that now have made it legal. Correct? We are approaching a time frame <laughs> in this country that's going to be hilarious where a DUI checkpoint will see a car with marijuana smoke billowing out of it and allow them to pass on <laughs> that's right. as old uh, as old three Guinness deep KP is getting nervous saying, I hope I got that PBA card. <laughs> but yeah, and, and Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson, uh, he, he does veto. This, this bill comes before the president for his signature to have prohibition enacted and stuff, and he vetoes it. Um, and what's interesting is that the Senate voted 65 to 20 to override Wilson's veto. So they no had shit. to override the they had to override the veto in order for that uh, thing to come to pass. And uh, you know, hey, 65 to 20, that's that's pretty good uh, that's a pretty good override. So there was a lot of people that were really pushing for prohibition and I think what a lot of what snuck up on a Pushing lot of them for prohibition. Are you are you doing a scheme? No, oh, sorry. That, that fit iambic iambic pentameter. Is that right? I don't know. You're the mm -hmm. you're the, the literary words. major, not them. me. We try, but Remember, there's, there's a, a musician teacher. in the room. Back me up here, Cahoons. <laughs> what now? <laughs> Pushing for prohibition. Continue. <laughs> um, but uh, they uh, a lot of the people got. Um, kind of bamboozled because they thought that maybe perhaps prohibition, well, you're not talking about beer or wine. You're only talking about hard liquor. And then when the, when the act finally was passed, like, holy shit, beer and wine and hard liquor, all, I mean, like alcohol, I can't have anything, not even a couple of beers after work? Come on. Yeah, I mean, and that's really where people started to <laughs> so mm -hmm. rethink this whole prohibition thing that you know, getting shit-faced and, and beating up on the wife and uh, abandoning the kids is one thing, but having a couple of beers after after work is another. How dare you? Have yeah, that. I mean, I, what's what's more American than sitting down and uh, having a couple of Guinnesses with uh, it's your time, sister, your dad, yeah. one of your best buddies? Should have just handed out like punch cards. All right, you get uh, seven dr drinks a week and <laughs> right. you got to punch a card. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it gets out of hand here too. A lot of people <laughs> did get bamboos. They were confused here, but the key is this. If, if there is a need, there must be a supply to match the demand. That's how capitalism works. Okay. That's how everything works in quite honest. Um, so of course the underground market, which will now be known as bootlegging is going to get quite popular and in a hurry because there's intent, oh, first of all, through the roof incentive to do this. And then on top of that also, um, you can make a lot, a lot of money on it. And all of a sudden when this thing starts to come in here, uh, where do you think the name bootlegging came from, Care? Did you know this one? You, you might. That's why I'm asking. So I feel like I do. Like pirates have like a 
Well, that's like a peg leg. Peg so leg, boot leg. <laughs> well, didn't some of them used to hide bottles of rum in their wooden leg? Uh, that would be a thing. To, that's one. I forget what movie it was. Kuna might know this, but there was some hilarious thing where a guy's peg leg. Um, he uh, pops the top on the it Caribbean. and starts taking a swig. I think that's Pirates of the Caribbean. It would, that would make sense to me. That's <laughs> um, but uh, apparently early efforts at bootlegs um, were done in higher tall boots whose wearers would smuggle illicit substances around within the boots. That was close. So that was bootlegging. Very close for sure. This went back way um, too far. No, I don't think you did. I don't think you did because uh, the pirates, they were some booze bags. Um, now, as almost anyone who's anyone knows, this ushers in an era of lawlessness – Profit, creativity, jazz, and also kind of reaffirms the uh, American idea that we are the greatest and wildest country on planet yeah. Earth. Plus the fact that if you tell somebody you can't, what's human <laughs> nature going to say? Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Challenge yeah. accepted. I'll, 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 that's right. I'll show you. Yep. Stone Cold Steve Austin's glass has shattered. The challenge is in place. <laughs> that's right. But hang on, Dad. Let me ask you this. Yeah. If an amendment that bans booze right. finally passes in January of 1919, how are they going to enforce it? Yeah, well, that's where we needed some muscle behind the amendment. That the amendment was nice. Okay, so you're going to have that on paper, but you have no teeth to the amendment. So we're going to uh, have somebody draft some some rules and regs to this whole thing. And the oh, yeah. rules and regs came about with something that became known as the National Prohibition Act, also well, known as the Volstead Act. When you want to, you know, you want to flatter somebody, you name it after the person you're trying to butter up. There's a, a guy by the name of Wayne Wheeler, who, uh, if he sounds like he's fun at parties, that's a lie. KP, um, I, I, I swear to God, this is true. I thought you were going to say this guy's name was uh, Ken Prohibition. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Ken. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, guys. Ken Prohibition. It wasn't Ken anyways. Prohibition. <laughs> But uh, what had happened is, uh, all right, we got this 18th Amendment. Now we need some some laws to enact to put some teeth behind the amendment that what happens if people do decide to drink? Well, then you're going to have something that became known as the Volstead Act. The guy that was the head of the Anti-Saloon League, big proponents of this whole prohibition to begin with. Wayne Wheeler. Wayne Wheeler, right? So he's uh, he's a heavy-duty kind of a guy. Right now – the 18th Amendment just had the definition of intoxicating liquors. So it really didn't get down into percentages. Is, is, it, is it near beer, which is, you know, uh, was it 2%? Is it near beer or something? Whatever. Yeah, the ciders were very low. Cider, cider was, cider was they, low and beer was low. Because it was safer to drink those things than water back then. Water was not clean right. and purified. There was no right. Culligan man coming around been, to make things better. It's been distilled or at least it's gone through a brewing process. That it, Correct. It, the, the dirty water was at least boiled once anyhow, right? There, uh, your doctor could prescribe you gin. That's true. That's 100% true. And it, of course, it gets abused during Prohibition too. Right. Um, just I mean, like, there was many like medical marijuana. There was many laws that were abused or gotten around because of prohibition. But um, um, the one of the key writers of this Volstead Act was the uh, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, who happened to be a Minnesota representative, a guy by the name of Andrew Volstead. So that's where the act got its name because of Volstead, but. Um, Volstead and Wayne Wheeler, the head of the Anti-Saloon uh, League, was the two – he was truly the uh, the co-author of the whole Volstead Act. Mm-hmm. But Volstead being the uh, official representative 
from the great state of Minnesota. We got a lot of listeners in Minnesota too. The well, Sunquists are from there. Yeah, uh, my girl Chelsea's from there. She's uh, when she hears this, she's going to be very upset that Minnesota was involved in prohibition. Um, dishonor to the great state of Minnesota. Dishonor uh, on you, dishonor on your cow. Sorry, <laughs> that's a reference from my generation. Anyway, keep going though. Yeah, sorry. but the, the, the good one, old Volstead Act. One half of one percent alcohol was considered an intoxicating beverage. I mean, that's like <laughs> that's nothing. There are wow. kombuchas or kombucha, however you pronounce it. What's the right way to say that, Carrie? Kombucha, I think. Yeah, there are those. I don't drink it. There are kombuchas out there that have more alcohol than what you just said, Dan. So right, be considered intoxicating beverages. It just makes you poop. That's all that does. Um, <laughs> that's really it. <laughs> They're good. Don't get me wrong. I like them, but yeah, kind of grease the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there, there was uh, now all of a sudden, if you're telling somebody that you can't have alcohol anymore, well, now even if you weren't a big drinker, you're telling me no. Now I want to, I want to drink even more than I did before. You know, that I'm not going to get around. I picture that. an Irish immigrant coming into the the country. Finally, freedom. There's no alcohol here. I'm going uh, back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm reading on here that uh, two things that you. Uh, mentioned about physicians could prescribe it for yeah. therapeutic purposes. Mm -hmm. Right. Between 1921 and 1930, doctors earned about $40 million for whiskey prescriptions. Oh, wait a minute. Right. What? And Pfizer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the interesting thing with, about that is that if uh, if dad goes to the doctor and says, well, I got iron poor blood, I need to have a shot of whiskey a day, Kind of a thing. Well, you know, the whole family is really a little bit anemic. So why don't you just write that script for everybody in the household? It's hereditary. So now we're holding, now we're holding six or seven scripts for that same, uh, you know, intoxicating mm -hmm. beverage kind of a thing. Um, Can I get a gin booster? Yeah, <laughs> in a couple of months. You know, build the blood. Build the blood. Yeah, have a have a Guinness. Guinness for strength for sure, or whatever. Whatever That's the might best be. Bullshit. I've ever heard. You get a prescription from your it's doctor. It's called a loophole. I know, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Get it right. What um, was the other thing you saw? You so the other thing I'm reading is that uh, Section 29 of the Volstead Act allowed wine and cider to be made from fruit at home, but not beer. Um, and the act did not prohibit the consumption of alcohol. So if right. you stockpiled it before this thing went into effect, you could be drinking for as long as this thing's uh, going. Let's say you stockpiled oh, some toilet out paper how to make about it. a year and a half ago. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe that's where prison started learning how to make it in the toilet. You never know. <laughs> Your toilet wine? Yeah. Whoa. Not that yeah, they do that Jack. in prison. No. Well, because they couldn't sell. So that's what we're drinking. <laughs> so if they caught you drinking in public, um, they, they could give you a ticket, but that would pretty much be it. It was like a ticket. It was, it was not um, – it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. No, you, you were you were a minor. Yeah. It'd be shocking if you didn't go home that day kind of a thing if you got picked up. Um, but again, this does affect the people that were selling it legally. And then now you um, – people who are willing to break the law are definitely getting involved in the business here. And this Volstead Act is supposed to crack down – that's supposed to be the um, – the sword coming down uh, from the idea of prohibition. This is the uh, uh, what's going to cut through people. This is how they're going to enforce this stuff, right, Dad? Do I have that right? Yeah, that's pretty much that was that was the Volstead Act was to give uh, the 18th Amendment some teeth. That you know now we've got something that says that by consuming alcohol, it's against the law by the 18th. Mm -hmm. The Volstead Act is really what gives the whole 18th Amendment something to, to back up against. Some tufuses. Tufuses, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, um, 
if the creation, manufacturing, and distribution of liquor is now illegal within the United States. But not the consumption. Correct. Kyrie's point is well taken, not the consumption. You consume it all you want. Right. As you know, you like if you it. owned a liquor store, just lock your doors, hide it all, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you're good. That's right. Get, oh, get your favorite doctor to come over to write a whole bunch right. of scripts. For you know what they call a Big Mac? Can. A Royale with cheese. <laughs> 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 so again, if the creation, manufacturing, and distribution of liquor is illegal within the United States, how does one get booze if it cannot come from within the border? Outside the border. I guess we got to go out of this jurisdiction then, don't mm. we? Well, those funny little Canadian fellows we keep trying to invade every couple of years, they got some weird whiskey up there. Yeah, right? I think CC, Canadian Club. It's uh, pretty good over there. Now, these Irish fellows, they seem to have some connections back to their old island they come from, yeah, right? Yeah, and depending on how you spell whiskey, there's some Scotch, uh, Scott, Scots that like to brew some stuff with a single malt or whatever they They're whatever the case might be. Yeah. Or if you take a lot of potatoes, you can make some vodka. Hey, vodka, ah. absolutely. Vodka will come in later because it comes onto the scene intense. Um, but that is also the Eastern uh, European immigrants. They're coming over and they're making stuff in their stills. That, that's your bathtub gin. That's your um, <laughs> sure. pretty great story. Just it's a little off uh, topic here for a second, but it's a good one. Um, went uh, partying with uh, – my cousins, uh, the, the, the Pelez boys, um, uh, we went out to uh, Udell for a party and we brought um, Arak, which is uh, this essentially moonshine for the <laughs> Armenian mean, people. Yeah, it's a that, uh, Everclear Armenian yeah, style. Yeah, that Cousin Jonathan brought with him and we poured <laughs> it into solo cups, right? We didn't have solo cups, I'm sorry, we had foam cups. So we, we poured it into the foam cups and we were all going to do a shot at the end of the night of it. And uh, um, we're, we're hanging out, there it was a Halloween party and uh, I was dressed as white trash. Um, I didn't have a costume, um, but uh, Came as you are. yeah, uh, sleeveless Led Zeppelin t-shirt. It's a pretty memorable photo of this. But uh, anyway, we're sitting there, we're all talking and everything like that. And then while we're waiting to take this shot in this foam cup of the Adak, which is again the moonshine of the Armenian people who were making it in bathtubs, um, there was a setup to make Adak in Grandma and Grandpa's attic. If you remember, Carrie, on the I Armenian do not. Side. I do know that Grandma made yes. her own vodka, though. Yeah. Well. Uh, this is so strong that we waited too long and the foam cups melted. From <laughs> I was that. thinking that this whole time. That's how right, strong right. the show – and that's what people were making back then. So again, um, we have to ex explain an idea here. So to better understand what's about to happen next, to get to the crux of the episode here, um, we have to discuss maritime borders. We talked about Canada, right? We talked about Ireland. We talked about maybe the Caribbean with the pirates and everything Kerry was mentioning earlier. Um, there is an idea of international waters, and it's pretty important here because uh, at a certain distance out at sea, there are no laws. International waters, baby. Right. You can do what you want. Booze cruise. I mean, you still can. Right. It's I mean, even, even today, if you go out on a cruise, you can't go into the casinos and start gambling on the cruise ship until you're- In I international said, waters. Inter international waters. Dad, wasn't there a boat- <laughs> That was like, let's say, maybe it caught on fire and washed up against uh, the Asbury Park. Uh, no yeah. way. Wasn't Moral. that like a booze cruise ship or something? What was Moral it Castle. It, where can I learn more about that? Yeah, probably on an episode of American Loser. <laughs> the back catalog of American Loser. First low is $3 a month. Um, but uh, this far out at sea, laws don't exist, let alone amendments. So the 18th Amendment does not exist, and certainly not the Volstead Act. Now, this will lead us to the chaos. Um People don't think that a bunch of crazy fundamentalists and progressives should get to decide whether or not they should have a drink at the end of a hard day. 
So like you said, it, it's, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm all in favor of getting rid of the whiskey and people not crashing their cars in my front yard and roughing up their wife that I got to listen to the, the violence all night. Um, but I just want a beer, man. I can't have a cider now? What the hell? This seems like an insult to the people's own intelligence. So when ships begin arriving with wild things like Caribbean rum, Canadian scotch, Irish whiskey, and more, these boats are going to need a safe place to kind of rest and chill out and handle their operations. The maritime limit before it was amended, don't get me wrong, as soon as they realized that they had to do this, the government does make, I think they wound up enhancing it to 24 miles out at sea. 12. <laughs> 12, 12. Right. Um, the limit at the time of the Volstead Act was enacted, the limit was three miles. Yes. So, so if you wanted they, to so have the letter a drink, of the law, they figured this right. out. <laughs> so you had to go out maritime, three maritime or nautical miles off the coast in order to have a, a legal drink. Well, now you're setting up party boats <laughs> just outside of uh, the territorial water. So you're in international waters three miles out. And, uh, you know, the, the Morrill Castle was um, a good example of that, that they would set up cruises to go from New York to Cuba. And as soon as they got out of- uh, out of Does Cuba have rum? Yeah, the very that, good are rum. Are you sure? <laughs> very good rum. Are you sure about that? Yes. And cigars. That's <laughs> and cigars, right. And a party-like attitude, or at least at the time they did. Do they have big booty Latinas down there too? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave that to are your you own. Are you sure? I'll leave that to your own research, Kevin. Uh, na, na, na. Um, so you were even telling me this, that the Morrow Castle and other booze cruise ships, they had drinks named after the mile marker they were at. Yeah, actually, that became a very uh, <laughs> that became a very uh, famous cocktail, if you will. There was a the three-mile limit cocktail. And cocktails and mixed drinks really came into their own at this particular time because now you got people trying to make their own booze at home. And mm -hmm. sometimes- Things didn't quite go right, and it tasted like crap. So, how are you going to disguise the the awful taste of uh, some rot gut uh, liquor? Well, add a little fruit to it, or add some Coca Cola to it, or you know. Well, mimosas were a cowboy drink. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, they would drink champagne and they'd put orange juice in it. Um, Mommy, why can't we go to Grandma's this year? Uh, Grandma still blew up <laughs> and right. took out the was living it room. Pinky out for the cowboys with the mimosas. <laughs> It's, uh, I'm in doubt, pinky out. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had the funny spurs. <laughs> well, it was amusing too because, um, uh, again, back in the day, uh, like th there's that kind of – we're – as a country right now, you know, my age group and demographic, a lot of it's because of uh, Boardwalk Empire and because of the music and stuff like that, Great Gatsby type stuff. But people are really, really interested in uh, kind of uh, romanticized the 1920s. And uh, the big thing back then in terms of cocktails and stuff is nowadays um, – a lot of bartenders are making drinks where you can't taste the liquor. They will disguise the taste. Back then, it was to make the liquor taste better. Right. So you're absolutely right on that. So it's right. a little simple syrup here, some grenadine, whatever you got to do. And you wind up having these, again, drinks named, hey, guys, we're three miles out. We're going to have a, hey, guys, we're almost back. So you better have your one last drink here. Have your three-mile cocktail on the way back in because it's a long ride back in and you can't drink anymore after this. Last call. We're heading back to America. <laughs> and some of those cocktails uh, were uh – Having a resurgence nowadays that people are going back and you know the history buffs are right and want, they want to have an old fashioned. Well, an old fashioned was first developed. <laughs> was it a new fashion back then though? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Carrie's no. kicked out. Uh, uh, that was the type of joke I would make. I'm disappointed. <laughs> That's a dad joke. That's a dad joke. You're welcome. It's uh, genders a spectrum. <laughs> well, we went from the three mile limit 
uh, under maritime law, it was three miles out, and then you were in, in international waters. And then with all these various uh, um, rum runners, these people that were now taking uh, booze that was manufactured someplace outside of the United States are coming to, to that three-mile limit and then offloading into small boats, mm -hmm. fishing boats or whatever. Which is, which is regular. There'd be, you know, if you can go into a port, you go into a port. But if not, it wasn't uncommon to see a smaller boat come up to a bigger boat and then take them in. Hilariously enough, Kerry, for uh, a large part, um, crates would wind up on the Jersey Shore off the three-mile limit packed on top with fish. Hey, all we got all of our, our halibuts here. Okay, this is awesome. <laughs> right, right. Outstanding. Yeah, good um, day's catch. Uh, look at all the shrimp we're about to have. And then underneath, what do you think was in there, Kerr? I'm going to go with liquor. Booze. Yeah, booze. That, these <laughs> large ships, booze. these mother ships um, would be taking stuff out of Canada, out of, out of the uh, Caribbean, and then offloading into smaller vessels that could find their way into some of the smaller ports and then truck them up to the, the major cities. And um, Do you know, think that's where the phrase the mother load comes from? Like the mother ship has the giant load, mother load? Could be. Weird. Kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, the term uh, rum runner is going to come up now because these are the people that are running the rum onto the shore. We're bringing it in. And then uh, rum runner's row or rum row is literally the row that all the ships would sit there and say, there'd be a buoy out there. And they would say, hey, it's three-mile marker, so we're safe out here. We go on the other side of the buoy, we're in trouble. You know, you know step on a, a crack, break your mother's back kind of a thing. Um, they're very, very cognizant of the border because the Coast Guard can hunt them down, but uh, they can't do anything as long as they're on that other side of the, the buoy. And it's hysterical because some of the ships were pretty flagrant with how they were doing it. And they would also, they'd have signs up that said booze cruise or something like that. Like they'd be mocking the Coast Guard that was coming after them. Yeah, they were, there was a seagoing saloon that, that they're just outside um, the uh, the line, the three mile marker. And, you know, you could, any small boat could just go out there and party all day and just have a good time. And you know, they're putting up big banners and it became very competitive and, uh, you know, at that point too, it, a lot of uh, how do we say it? Uh, big business got involved. That uh, now you Ooh, got yeah. now you got Al Capone and his uh, ilk, and uh, you know that this really gave the underworld a, a huge. You got a, a huge population demanding something that they can't legally get. Well, we'll 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 find a way around it. You know, a lot of people think Al Capone was a pretty good guy, but I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, I've recently found evidence that he cheated on his taxes. Yeah, well. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Not a great look, oh, Al. Oh, man. Not a good look for the man known as Scarface. He's definitely um, getting canceled. Well, uh, it seems, again, it's pretty wild here that this three-mile marker thing is working out. You're calling it Rum Row. You're calling the people. The ships are now known as Rum Runners. Uh, the ships are popular but not safe from the Coast Guard, who would often capture the ships and destroy the liquor before it could ever reach the mainland. Um, all of a sudden, these pirates, if you will, had a sense of cause. Um, it's now cause-driven piracy that they're, you know, we always do this too. We love to do this. America loves a Robin Hood story. He steals from the rich and he gives to the poor. So this will, of course, lead to a fella. Um, if you got something that was the genuine article, uh, Kahuna, what would you refer to it as? Maybe an older term, you know, if something's legit, you know? Huh. I, oh, crap. I know this word. It's right there and it's, oh, it's just out of reach. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Well, if, if it's authentic, if it's, you know, sincere, it would be, Carrie, do you know the term? No. It's the real McCoy, baby. Oh! 
So uh, where do you think the name The Real McCoy comes from? I'm not going to lie, dude. I really thought that that came from Star Trek. <laughs> McCoy. <laughs> the McCoys and Hatfields. McCoy's and Hatfields. That's interesting, too. I wonder. I, I should have looked that up to see if there was a connection here. But we during this time frame. technology. Well, uh, if you can, check this out because the guy's name is Bill McCoy. All right. Uh, Bill McCoy is a fascinating guy here. Um, he had fallen on hard times and chose to push his family business with his brothers into a new direction, rum running. So he's getting involved in the liquor business now. He is entirely successful, especially along the coast of a, a certain state, a certain state that might be the center of the universe. Sorry, Pat Dowden. All right. Sorry, guys. Yeah. But uh, the New Jersey coast is almost exactly like the opening sequence, the title sequence from Boardwalk Empire, where it's just washing on shore. I mean, it's we are a very, very, very booze-heavy state. We're awash yeah. with, with booze to take care of the thirst of Philadelphia and the thirst of uh, New York and, of course, the thirst for Atlantic, Atlantic City, City itself. Yep. Which was a uh, a go to uh, place uh, for for partying. Oh yeah, before Vegas there was. This is where the whole speakeasies kind of a thing that these uh, secret private um, saloons or places to get a drink that mm -hmm. uh, you know just tell them Joe sent you a knock on the door and if you're recognized or if you got a membership card or you have a couple of bucks to throw the the bouncer at the door you're in to have uh, go have a couple of drinks. It's like Kahuna brought me to this party one time. We had to wear masks. <laughs> We had to say Fidelia when we walked in. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say what else happened, but I was very upset that Kahuna brought me with him. Um, but uh, yeah, so the speakeasy thing's going on here, but the booze is coming in. And this guy, Bill McCoy, is going to become uh, the Robin Hood of liquor, if you will. Yeah, and he, he gets the, the, the whole thing that you were uh, alluding to before about the real McCoy is that he was famous for importing or getting the good stuff. The stuff from Canada, the stuff from Ireland and Scotland and from um, from the Caribbean and not cutting it, not watering it down, mm -hmm. that it's the real, genuine, legit item. That, that, like that, when Frank Lucas was bringing in legit heroin from Vietnam and everybody's <laughs> like, you don't even step on it or nothing? This is just pure – what? what? Yeah. How is this possible? Yeah. Uh, just to give you an idea too, one of the interesting tidbits that I found here that um, once – uh, the 18th Amendment and the Volstead Act came into being. Uh, the Bahamas, the Bohemians, developed a massive thirst for Scotch whiskey. In 1919, beer. <laughs> in 1919, before the whole prohibition thing came into being, Scottish distillers uh, landed just over 900 gallons of the good stuff in Nassau. All right, so in 1919, 900 gallons. In 1920, the first year of Prohibition, the shipments added up to 386,000 gallons of the stuff. So they went from 900 gallons to 386,000 gallons of uh, Scotch whiskey. That escalated quickly. Yeah. Oh, boy. No, Just a so, little. <laughs> uh, the Americans have a thirst, and the Bohemians are, are very much eager to help you out with that. So. The Bahamas became like a, a central point for a lot of these imports that they were bringing them into the Bahamas. And then rum runners like McCoy would then take it to the three mile limit um, and then offload it to smaller ships. And um, the, they got the booze ship. here in the Caribbean. The weather's great. Every girl looks like Rihanna. I don't know if I'm going back. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And, and just before Christmas in 1923, there was a, a newspaper, The Guardian, that hired a uh, a plane to fly over that limit 
to see what exactly is at the at the um, maritime limit. Oh, right? They saw 22 ships off New Jersey coast uh, supplying the vast and you know the vast supply for uh, New Yorkers for Christmas and for the New Year celebration. So you had 22 motherships just off the uh. international waters. That are clearly in plain sight with big banners flying, you know, get you buy your whiskey here and all that kind of it's stuff. It's like selling but, fireworks on the Fourth of July, baby. <laughs> <There you laughs> <go. laughs> That's right. Except you got to go into Pennsylvania to get them. Exactly. Right. Right. What's well, that silly of a law kind yeah. of a thing that they're just able to sidestep this? Now, uh, Bill McCoy, pretty pretty great um, story here. Um, again, especially along the coast of New Jersey, that's where his whiskeys and ryes are going to become, uh, like we said, the real McCoy, if you will. But uh, problem is, Cap McCoy was making enemies on both sides of the law. He was very hated by organized crime because he had these pirate-like ways and kind of couldn't be corralled. And then he was also hated and despised by the government for his pirate-like ways and that he couldn't be corralled. So McCoy did whatever the fuck he wanted, pretty much. He was a wild boy. Independent. Um, independent. That's, that's right. All. Yeah, I ain't one of you Italian fellas, so I ain't got to listen to your whole mafia syndicate. And I'm not, I'm an Irishman right here, so I don't fit into this waspy government trying to tell me what I can and can't do. You didn't want to be a franchisee. That's, that's all. right. That's right. <laughs> on doing his own business. That. That's a good point. It's a good point. Um, now, of course, uh, this leads to an at-sea high-speed chase where a Coast Guard vessel will so finally- So by 25 <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> knots, baby, knots. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, they will capture McCoy and his crew uh, on their uh, their smuggler ship. Is, uh, they finally surrender the ship, if you will, because they fire a shell across the bow of it to let you guys know, hey- uh, so we're going to shoot one across the bow here. Next one's coming right for the jugular. So maybe you guys just go ahead and give up this chase yeah. now a little bit. What you call a warning shot over the bow. Well, it was shot from a four-inch gun. And uh, on board the USS Kearney, we had a five-inch gun. And just to let you know, Kahuna, what we would do anytime they fired the five-inch gun on the ship, first mm -hmm. of all, it would rock the entire ship. You'd move backwards. You'd feel it. Oh, yeah. It was wonderful. It was really very cool to watch. And then the shells were huge. They were like, um, I'd say like almost the length of my arm. And the uh, five-inch term comes in for the uh, diameter of the shell. Mm -hmm. What we would do on board the ship is uh, we would take them. Uh, we would take the, the shells, bring them down to the general workshop. And then I would cut them with a, a plasma cutter, right? And my cuts were always terrible. I was not a very good welder or cutter or anything like that. But <laughs> then we'd give them to my boy Tater, right? Daryl Tate. And uh, he would put it on the machine lathe and he would clean these things up. And then we would put a carny coin in the center of it and we would make ashtrays out of the five. And <laughs> That's <ten> so <laughs> cool. Yeah, it was really very cool. And that would be a gift for people who re-enlisted on board the ship. By the way, I actually found a photo of the ship that chased him. Oh, no shit. That's so the that's the, the U.S., the, the Coast Guard cutter that tracked down the real McCoy. Yeah. What's that? The U.S. Oh, oh the Seneca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and the Coast Guard became uh, huge in the enforcement of all of this. And actually, the Navy lent various destroyers to the, the Coast Guard for the for the water, for the patrolling the waters. Because, I mean, you got the whole coast of the United States are now possible smuggle points, right? So. Did I step Did, on you? Putting, no, putting the I, I made a face because I just I laugh at the idea of the Navy being in charge of enforcing prohibition. <laughs> Drink to the foam is in the fucking song, folks. Yes, we will confiscate. Quote, <laughs> right, right. What do you do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Oh man, and the whole Coast Guard thing too. I mean, they were the seagoing uh, police, or if you will, for the, for this whole smuggling operation, and. Uh, when we're down in Florida, I know there's a 
an old-timey restaurant that's still in operation today that's on a barrier island. Great place uh, to go and have a uh, have dinner. But um, during Prohibition, this was a speakeasy that the rich and famous would go out to this barrier island, to this establishment, to have a have a cocktail without worrying about the, the law enforcement breaking down or knocking on your door. And the uh, the local rumor was that the owner of this particular establishment, his brother, was the lighthouse keeper at the, oh, at the other perfect. end of the island. So when the lighthouse keeper saw that the Coast Guard was in the area, he would send a signal down to the restaurant or down to the speakeasy to his brother saying, hey, <laughs> you know, the, the Coast Guard's in the area. Um, sh- you know, shut shutter the place, close down. Because, Bad luck uh, <laughs> to kill a seabird. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, they had a great system in place here, man. But unfortunately, McCoy, uh, he will get arrested. Um, he is captured, if you will. The jig is up. Uh, McCoy has this very interesting thing, though, where um, a lot of people were finding ways to uh, try to skirt around it or getting a, a, you know, a lawyer to come to their defense. Uh, McCoy just pleads guilty. How long do you think he does in jail? Like, a, honestly? Yeah. Maybe about a year? This is like a less. He does nine months. Really? Nine months in jail. Yep. Uh-huh. The duration and gestation and birth period of one child <laughs> is all that he has to pay in uh, terms of doing you know, prison time for being one of the most prolific uh, you know, rum runners in the entire history of the <laughs> of Yeah, and I, I, I did see, too, it wasn't really hard time prison. It was, uh, you know, he had his own – he had his own uh, – Gig if, or his own digs, if you will. That uh, it wasn't. Like he wasn't in with the general with the carpet. Yeah, he wasn't in the general prison population. The Tiffany Lane. He had a system for slicing the garlic with razor blades so that it would melt. <laughs> yeah. the pie. Uh, but McCoy was a fascinating guy here, though. Uh, does the nine months in jail, then spends the rest of his life legally stealing by getting into real estate. Get out of here. Just picture his face on uh, one of those um, the realtor ads or something like that on the know. bench. Are, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the house is great. It really looks great. Uh, we love that. We love that there's room for maybe an addition in a couple of years. Um, hang on, quick question. Did you illegally run all of the booze into the Jersey Shore for a couple of years? Why, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, I, I Don't worry. Yes, I did. And I'm willing to sign something for you if you'd like. I'll drink to that. It, uh, Just don't look in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you, uh, Did you read where he spent his time in jail? Uh, it was in Jersey, I believe. <laughs> yeah. What well, did it say? A town on that one? Nah, just New Jersey. Yeah, I want to know where. I want to know where his boat's at. To be honest with you, I'm trying he to served it. nine months in Seaside Heights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, he does wind up getting busted here. Prohibition, however, uh, will sadly last long enough to create more incentive for mobster murders, uh, racket control of the unions, and more and more organized crime. Prohibition will eventually end. Underneath the administration of a, a certain president you're about to get into here, Dad. Um, and he even runs on that. He goes, if you continue to elect me, and I say continue, you guys probably know who we're talking about already. Um, uh, oh, Cohen just brought up a picture of it, the Rum Runner Arethusa, which um, that was uh, uh, McCoy's boat. Uh, it just looks like a nice guy out at sea and uh, you know he's just hanging out. Uh, or maybe he's also smuggling all the booze for the Jersey Shore that year. Um, he's now, like Santa. But- Santa, but with booze? Yeah. <laughs> Have you been belligerent this year? <laughs> so That's why he didn't work with the mob. He, uh, it, he saw them when they were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the 18th Amendment that comes into place here that uh, enforces prohibition. 
Uh, and you're going to see again the Al Capone rise. Um, you know, Chicago's on fire. All that other stuff. Yeah, St. Valentine's Day massacre. Bugs the mobsters Moran. are mar- you know machine gunning everybody and uh, the syndicate. You know, the general population is saying, you know, maybe this prohibition thing, although it had good intentions about uh, making booze illegal, it's really given rise to a lot of uh, the ills. You know that. Be aware of what you're going to get. From a car bomb went off down the street today. I'm a little shook up about it. I can't wait to go home and have a glass of hang on what? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> so uh, a, uh, a guy with a very famous last name is uh, coming into uh, power around this time in the United States. And uh, part of his ticket is that he's not in favor of prohibition. He doesn't think that it's a – he thinks we should probably repeal it, right? What's that guy's name? Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. He's just like TR, but without legs. Um, so <laughs> work, functional. Work, functional, working. Yeah. Not working so good. But uh, yeah, and I think he celebrates the repeal of prohibition with the Thief Amendment by having a, a dirty martini. <laughs> um, that, was, that was his uh, go-to drink. Well, I think um, there's another – it's kind of an all right movie. It's not a bad movie, The Untouchables with Kevin Costner. Um, they ask uh, Elliot Ness what he thinks about the repeal of Prohibition after he just uh, you know, busted uh, Al Capone. He goes, I think I'll have a drink. Yeah. So definitely it was – these are the laws and these bad people have taken advantage of the laws. Um, and they had a job to do or whatever. But the average American was still sitting there saying, well, we can have a drink. Because again, you could have a certain amount of alcohol you could make yourself. Right, that was a key. Like Kerry was saying, you could get your bathtub, gin, whatever you had. So it wasn't like we were all sober this entire time, right? But uh, the uh, prohibition, as we know it, will end under the FDR administration under the Twenty First Amendment, which is why that bar is named Amendment Twenty One because it's a speakeasy style bar. Which is funny because they play surf music in there, and there's always like you know hippie chicks hanging out at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they will repeal prohibition, meaning that once again the Roosevelts have saved America. We owe a lot to that family, guys. All right. <laughs> We owe a lot to that family. Uh, and uh, anything you guys want to say on the way out? Because we're going to land this plane. Uh, yeah, I was just sometimes, not that politicians might have you believe something that is really not true, um, you know, that they were against uh, alcohol consumption and that mm-hmm. type of thing. <laughs> I found a little side tidbit here that um, during this whole prohibition era, there was a guy by the, who was, went by the name The Man in the Green Hat. That this guy would show up at Congress, this dude in a green hat, uh, who happened to be named George Cassidy. Between the Prohibition years of 1920 and 1930, George Cassidy served as Congress's primary bootlegger. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy was the uh, he was the source for the uh, for our representatives in the in the House, um, and he was averaging. Uh, at one time, he was averaging 25 deliveries a day, transporting bottles to the House and the Senate offices in large leather briefcases. Uh, the Capitol Police, who recognized Cassidy by his trademark green hat, allowed There's him, your Robin Hood right there. <laughs> allowed, him unquestion, <laughs> allowed him unquestioned access at all hours. So, oh yeah, that's 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 the man in the green hat. That's Cassidy. He's he's <laughs> on a he's on a special delivery to Senator so and so or Congressman so and so. Rules for thee, um, not for me. Yeah, and finally, there was one Capitol Police officer who uh, really didn't get the memo or didn't want to believe it, and uh, he arrests Cassidy. And uh, seizes him, and you know, he uh, brings down this whole 
sting operation with the assistance of uh, several Senate officials. Um, and uh, Cassidy is uh, then moved to a, a different room or a different spot in Congress. So he continues on, but um, he uh, he continues on with that. And then what, what I thought was the uh, uh, he also gains fame uh, later on with, if the, after the repeal of the Prohibition Amendment. He no longer had a job. I mean, he's not he's not delivering contraband uh, liquor to uh, to our Congress people. But uh, he pops up again later on, uh, and he starts to work for the CIA. And he had a hand in. Hang the, on, hang <laughs> on. And he had a hand in the 1961 <laughs> Bay of Pigs invasion. So this guy <laughs> is going to say he had a pop-up coffee shop or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Starbucks. Starbucks. There you what go. Did MK Ultra just show up in this episode? Yeah. Yeah. How? How? Yeah. So hey, if he's a uh, He's working for working for the the major league spy group of of the CIA. I mean, we can probably use him for the Bay and Pigs invasion. The too. Office of Strategic Services. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were going to say something on the way out, Care? No, that was it. That I was just it. Want to make that coffee shop? No, oh, it was worth it. Um, <laughs> uh, real quick, I, I am going to wrap up here in a second. Um, I love doing the show. Uh, we love having you guys as listeners. This is a good little, um, like we said, just the tip on prohibition. There's some more stuff we want to talk about down the road as well. Uh, next week. Will be first of all, uh, Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate. Um, and uh, you know, it's a it's a fun time of the year. Um, our gift to you will be the Patreon episode, which you can buy for as little as three. <laughs> <laughs> That's right there, you go. Um, yeah, three dollars a month, uh, five dollars a month, whatever you guys want to do. Five bucks a month, we send you some merch as well. But for as little as three dollars a month, which breaks down to less than a dollar an episode, you can keep this podcast rolling here. The Kahuna works very hard. Uh, Kahuna sent me what I'm going to call the final cut of uh, my album Escape from Jacksonville. It has been submitted to uh, the good people over it. I'm allowed to say it now, too. I signed all the paperwork. 800-pound yeah. Gorilla Records is putting my album out. I'm very excited about that. Should be available on Spotify, Google Play, all that other good stuff, iTunes, uh, hopefully in the next month or so. And then uh, the official um, uh, directed by – I'm not saying his name. We're going to keep up. But directed <laughs> by the big kahuna. Um, you'll, if you watch the special, you'll see his real name. Um, he did an awesome job. We did it over at the Smod Castle. I'm very, very proud of it. It's 10 years' worth of material that I've been writing. And uh, it was a great one. And everybody in this room was here for uh, the shows. So it means a lot to me. That's going to be coming out soon. Uh, please check that out. Tell your friends about it too. If maybe they're not big on history or something like that or not podcast people, I think I got enough good dick jokes in there that I can make you laugh for a couple of <laughs> minutes. So ch just check it out. Support it. Share it when it comes out. It would mean a lot to me, man. All right? Because that, that means someday I don't have to clean beer. I like cleaning beer lines. But someday I might not have to clean beer lines. <laughs> so also on that note, uh, come check me out. Uh, I think I'm pretty much done for the year comedy-wise for the rest of uh, 2021. But in 2022, we're going to start off with a bang. I'll be in Austin, Texas, January 6th, 7th, and 8th uh, with my good buddy Mike Cannon over at the Creek in the Cave in Austin. Coming out to those shows if you're in the area. Mike's one of my favorite comics to work with, one of my great buddies. Uh, President's Day weekend in February, I will be down at Side Splitters in Tampa with the great Lynn Coplets. Uh, that's going to be a can't miss shows on that one. I think I'm going to be going on the radio for that one too. I don't want to jinx myself, but I might be on uh, Tampa uh, Shock Jock Radio, uh, which will be very cool. My friend Mike Calta will be a part of that one. Um, and then, of course, uh, just guys, keep supporting the show. It means a lot to me. I'm at KP Burke Sucks over on Instagram if you want to follow me directly there. Uh, my father is uh, Dilfs of Instagram. On, uh, I'm kidding. Don't check that out. Don't yeah, you'll find me out. in some Home Depot somewhere in Central Jersey. Oh, you know who it's works me. at the Home Depot? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this means a lot to us, guys. Uh, this episode, this will be the last episode that we do um, before Christmas. Uh, so go ahead and uh, we'll say it again. Merry Christmas, you bastards. Goon, anything you want to say to the people on the way out? Uh, nothing. 
of oh wait i actually do I you got have the, an album out yeah i have a christmas album i released called in the key of christmas i'll say my real name i don't really care anymore uh in the key of christmas by christian cordez oh i've been calling you josh for years oh Fuck. shit um <laughs> So that's Corbin. why the invoice for your special said Josh. Yeah, are you not Josh Raspenberg? I've been calling. <laughs> oh no, I've been paying him PayPal money for years. <laughs> In the Key of Christmas by Christian Cordez. Uh, it's great. You and your brother's involved with that too, isn't he? Yeah, my brother helped produce a uh, helped produce a couple of tracks. He played guitar on it, but uh, all original tracks, no covers, which is oddly difficult. <laughs> but it was a good time to make. And uh, please go give it a listen. It's on Spotify, iTunes. We also got physical CDs available for those who want them. Hey. So now we're talking. There you man. go. That's no, it. This is good stuff. Check that one out. Uh, even just buy it now so that you're in the mood for Christmas next year. It's nice. It, it breaks up the uh, the monotony of Christmas music because I love my favorite Christmas song ever is uh, Tom Waits uh, Christmas <laughs> card from a hooker in Minneapolis. Right. Um and that one makes you want to kill yourself in a good way. Not like John Lennon's, so this is Christmas, what have you done? Because I was just like, God damn. If I, Carrie, you work at the Home Depot. Yep. How sick are you of Christmas music? They haven't been playing it first year ever in 12 years that I've worked there. They have not been playing solid Christmas music. Well, that's just rude. The war on Christmas continues. Yeah. The radio station's <laughs> having an identity crisis. Ugh. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, please enjoy the holidays. Be safe. Uh, we will talk to you before the new year, but uh, then LP has to go back down south. So enjoy these last episodes of the dulcet tones of my father's voice because uh, uh, we're putting him in a home, folks. All right. He's That's done. it. He's, He's over. Just... Yeah, That's right. <laughs> Someplace warm, I hope. Not on my fucking watch. <laughs> but uh, this was very, very fun, you guys. Uh, we had a blast doing it. Thank you so much. On behalf of myself, my sister, Carrie, my delf of a dad, and the kahuna, my name was KP Burke, and that was Rum Row, American Loser. An American loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born